In this episode, we dive deep into the dynamic world of podcasting with Justin J. Moore, a creative force and founder of Podigy. Discover how podcasts can be your ultimate networking, content creation, and lead generation tool, opening up doors that you never knew that you would thought would be possible. This episode of the Lead Machine Growth Show is brought to you by Lead Machine, the step-by-step tech-easy system for getting leads online. Are you struggling to get leads from your lead magnet? Are you tired of seeing low conversion rates and losing potential customers? It's time to revive your lead magnet and start attracting more leads. Download our free report, 10 Deadly Lead Magnet Mistakes That Are Costing You Leads, and learn how to create a high converting lead magnet that engages your audience and drives conversions. Don't let common mistakes hold you back any longer. Revive your lead magnet today and download your free report at www.getleadmachine.com forward slash deadly. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show, where you will discover how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Paul Guyen, the mastermind behind the Lead Machine, introduces you to trailblazers who inspire you to implement life-changing solutions and systems you can model to nurture your leads and get your offers seen by your ideal clients who will invest in themselves and you. Be sure you visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, tune in and get ready to transform your vision into reality. And so, welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show. I'm Paul Guyon, your host, Lead Machine Coach, and founder of the Lead Machine Mastermind Group. And I'm dedicated to helping you tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Whether you're, and whether you're just starting out or taking your business to the next level, let's get this conversation started and turn your dreams into reality. And thus, welcome our guest today. At the young age of 23, Justin J. Moore has carved out an impressive path that blends music, creativity, and entrepreneurial vision. His parents, Juilliard-trained opera singers, laid the musical foundation for his success as a singer-songwriter with 50 million, 50 million plus song streams. I think that's more than that today. As a social media music influencer, Justin has attracted 350,000 followers and 1 billion, that's billion with a B, video views with recognition from renowned artists like Maroon 5, Charlie Puth, and B.B. Rexa, who's an awesome voice. In 2018, he founded Podigy, aiming to create podcasts for thousands of coaches and entrepreneurs to foster meaningful conversations to improve the world. Justin's accomplishments at a young age underscore a compelling story of creativity, ambition, and genuine desire to impact others positively. And by the way, Justin's got a fabulous voice. Uh, welcome, Justin. It's an honor to have you on the show today. And wow, your bio is impressive. I was checking out some of the things you were doing uh, online last night, and um, we both share the love of music, and I'm just so honored to have you here, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for the great uh, introduction. Yeah. So, um, 300 songs in six months. You told me that offline before before the show, and um, so that 
to me, that, that means a lot of dedication, a lot of time, a lot of focus, and you had a goal in mind. How can that translate to podcasters and content creators who are entrepreneurs who are looking to get out there, uh, but they, they're time crunched, they, they've got a lot to do, and really focusing on creating that much content and sharing it on social media, it seems like a full-time job. So how do you, how did you accomplish the songs, first of all, and how can you apply that to, uh, to everyday work as an entrepreneur? Totally. Yeah. Um, that many songs, um, it seems like a lot. And from the outside, it is a lot. I mean, 300 songs is a lot, but from, from how, from the world that I was in and the world that I, I still am in, but I was doing it full time before 300 songs in six months is sort of normal. Like people in this, in the music industry, the real songwriters will write like a thousand songs a year, um, which is, which does translate to like three songs a day. And from uh, like a music uh, point of view, um, the songs, it was almost like a, like a quantity over quality type thing. So it's not like I was writing the best ah. songs in the world, but what I was doing was I was just allowing the songs to come out without any judgment every single time. And what I found to be true, this was in the dance world, by the way, these weren't pop songs. These were dance songs, um, wow. which are a bit different. So they're a bit, they don't require as much uh, attention to detail as pop does because in dance, the uh, songs are much more focused on the actual instrumental. And so it's more like a 50 50 split. Whereas in pop, the, the voice is like the number one thing. And the story. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the dance music is less about a story and it's more about like a feeling. Um, right. And so with the dance music, I was, uh, yeah, I was writing like three songs a day. And I was finding that even though there were songs that I didn't particularly love, <laughs> they were songs that other people just ate up and made these great tracks around. So essentially, I would just sit with my piano over here and I would plunk down some chords and I would write a top line is what it's called, the vocals. And I would send these acapellas around to different companies who would then distribute them to artists and artists would take interest in them. And these artists would take my acapella and turn them into beautiful songs. Uh, so yeah. I found that even though it wasn't perfect to me, it was exactly what these other people needed to inspire their their song and their creativity. So that was really cool. And then what I found uh, from there, if if we're translating that over into um, into the entrepreneur and business world and talking about podcasts, the one the the main thing that allowed me to write that many songs was that I came up with a system for writing my songs. So yeah. I had a system for how I would start my projects. I had a system for um, like what kind of chords I would use in my, in my songs. Uh, and then I had a system for file organization and for everything. So the way that I was able to do that many songs was by systemizing it. And yeah. in the podcast world, it's really similar. And especially now with being able to use AI for a lot of things, and AI is even going to make the game, it's going to change the game even more. But honestly, in the podcasting world, if somebody wanted to uh, create a huge amount of of content from their from their podcast and record weekly and make turn themselves into an industry leader like an industry mogul, um, podcasting is absolutely the number one way to do that, in my opinion. And from your podcast, your weekly podcast, you can generate tons and tons of social media content by clipping up the video and by using AI to create uh, different types of content. And so that way, 
by using your podcast, you can also kill two birds with one stone and have all of your social media content completely outsourced from your show. So that's where the system comes in. And that's how it relates to music is that the only way to pump out that much output without wasting all of your time is to systemize everything and have a process for it. Right. And so and when you were first talking about how you were doing that, the, before you mentioned the system uptizing, you basically were doing what Brian Tracy calls um, mind storming. It's sort of like a brainstorming thing, but you can do it by yourself. And what you do is you have rules around that process. It's, it's an iterative, iterative process. And you take a theme or it's like a question you want to answer. And you, you come up with 20 answers to that question. And and you don't qualify them. You don't say they're good, they're bad. You don't say, oh, I can't do that. That wouldn't be possible with technology today or whatever. You know, you don't qualify it. You just you just do it. You just iterate through exactly. it. What it does is it builds your mind muscle, which is your music muscles are, are definitely well developed uh, from from that exercise and from you know your what you focus on. Uh, and so and then you take and drill down into the really good ideas, and then you keep ask you keep going through that. And iterating through it. So I imagine you have many different themes that are around a particular uh, melody or uh, a chord structure, and you can ch you can change you can you can reverse the chord structures. You can you can change the octaves. You can there's a whole bunch of things that you can do, but you're still working with a similar pattern. Totally. So, so systemization is is the key um, to to productivity. And I'm a systems guy too. I've been in IT for 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. and uh, that's exactly what you need to do, and you need to you need to continually iterate through it, improve it, and um, and leverage that what you learn from it. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah, and so that's that's really awesome. So let's talk a little bit more. Maybe you can share a little bit more about the kinds of the thing about a podcast. It's audio first or video first. Obviously, we're doing a video uh, yep. podcast, and so. If you have a video first strategy, then um, it's easy to create to use AI to create content from what you've already what you've basically recorded once, right? And so yes. can you can you share a little bit more about that? that For works? sure, yeah. Um, so nowadays, like I guess if you go back, let's say you go back like five years, video podcasting was uh, not the norm. It was audio. That's what podcasting was. Right. Um, and so it's just been over the last maybe year or so and, and talking to on my podcast called Oh My Pod, we talk about uh, the podcasting industry quite a bit with some of the biggest names in podcasting. And a lot of these people have said that they've been in the industry for like 10 plus years and uh, they've watched it change from an audio only format to being a very, very video and audio centric platform. Now, the reason why we like when when we work with clients and we launch a show if somebody comes to me and says i want to do audio only i say okay i totally get i totally get that but we're not the right company for you so we don't even work with people unless they're coming to us wanting to do video the reason being is that if you're recording a podcast and you're taking that hour or whatever you're taking to have the conversation and to do the editing and uploading it everywhere if you're already having that conversation and all it would take would be clicking the camera on button to have the video <laughs> going as well. Yeah. And from that camera on button, you get literally thousands of dollars worth of content for 
the same conversation that you were already having, I yeah. cannot with in my like right mind allow somebody to do a podcast without also doing video. And that's a bit controversial. I've said that to a couple of people in the industry and they go, no, I don't agree. And I go, I understand, but you don't have to agree. This is what, I, this is what I, I believe. And so if you talk about the actual specifics of how do you take a one hour episode and turn it into 30, 40, 50 pieces of content, and yeah. this is what's possible. And this is what I'm currently writing an ebook on for people who already have a podcast. Um, and this is how do you take one episode and turn it into 30 pieces of content or AKA your whole month of social media content from your one episode. So it, that is a slight exaggeration because if you look at our show, we turn four episodes a month into 40 pieces of content. That's just because we don't want to keep reusing the same episode, right? Um, but if you literally did a one, one podcast a month show, you could have 30 pieces of content from that. Now, there is AI that does this, and there is AI that actually goes through and finds the spots to uh, clip and then creates the clips for you and adds the captions and everything. But the main problem with the AI is that as it currently stands, the AI doesn't have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish with the clips. So we still have to use humans for actually finding the clips. So if you look at our company, they learn the client's message, mission, they learn the client's business inside and out. And from that, they listen to the episode and they clip relevant topics to what the client is trying to accomplish with their podcast. AI cannot do that. There's AI platforms that will give you three to four clips per episode and maybe only one or two of them is actually usable. So what my company does and what you can do yourself if you have the time I would like to preface this and say I really don't think it's a good use of people's time. If you don't want to do it yourself, you could easily go onto Fiverr or some other kind of freelance platform and find somebody who whose hour is not as expensive as your hour is because you're going to waste money by doing this yourself. But you would go through your podcast and you would find all the moments that are clip worthy. They can be 15 seconds long, 30 seconds long, a minute long, up to a minute, obviously, because Instagram doesn't let you go past a minute. And you take that and you just mark it in the video and then you go to the next part okay you mark that too you can even write it down write the time and you go to the next part write the time and then after that you take it into a platform or uh, you take it into a program that then can add subtitles can add music can add background footage to keep it more interesting so the number one platform that we have found to do it and the one that we actually use for our company is called veed.io, V-E-E-D.io. I'm in no way affiliated with them. I just pay monthly to use their program for my business. And we run all of our clients through veed.io after we found the clipping spots. So AI can't find the clipping spots, but AI can easily make your clips beautiful. So we've got background footage. If someone says, someone says, oh, I was working on an art project in the clip then the, the background footage will be someone painting on a, on a canvas or I got 500 downloads, then a picture will come up with 500 downloads and it'll show like to add kind of depth and stuff. So um, this is that's one way to create content from your podcast. The other way is to go through and find things that were said. Again, you can do this by writing down. You find things that are said that are impactful in one way or another or insightful or controversial or anything. And you simply, you simply quote it. You take it as a quote. You take those words and maybe from your episode, you find 10 quotes, let's say. 
You take those 10 quotes that you've written down and you then go into Canva, C-A-N-V-A. Anybody who's, uh, who's a, like a, uh, an entrepreneur or who's done any kind of design knows what Canva is. You can do this for free. You go into Canva, you go to templates, you search up quotes. It'll give you thousands of templates to choose from. Add your company colors, make it your own. Drop those 10 quotes that you got from your podcast in. So that's now 10 posts from quotes. That's, you could say, 15 posts from your um, from your clips. So there from your one episode, you've got 25 posts that you can use. And on top of that, if you want to go the extra mile and get the last five posts, you can actually look through your episode and find pieces where you gave some type of uh, instruction, sort of like what I'm doing right now. And you can take it and make an informational sliding post that people can actually learn how to do something that you're talking about. Or you could go and say, top five resources from my recent episode, and then you can list the resources. And so you could make a post saying, v.io, Canva, you know, how to, how to make content from your podcast, and you could make a resource post. So the whole point of what I'm getting at here is that from your one-hour podcast interview, by incorporating video, and then by doing the work afterwards, you can actually create an entire month of social media content from your show. And the best part about it is that it's not it's not cheesy outsourced um, kind of diplomatic content like a like a social media agency might do for you, but it's actually your words, your voice, your face. So it's outsourced content and automated content without it feeling like it's automated and outsourced. Right. You, uh, yeah. You're you're maintaining the authenticity, and that's why people get so many clients from their show. That's why people get so much engagement on their podcast content and why podcast content is blowing up everywhere. That's the, that's the reason is because it's outsourced content that doesn't feel outsourced. And so do you think that um, by creating that content and um, in the content, obviously, there's a link back to your show yep, definitely. Uh, or, to your, or to your lead magnet, probably to your show. And on your, and on your show, you've got, a, you've got a website that hosts your show. Yep. And you've got lead magnets there. You've got ads there. You've got uh, links to monetize the traffic that comes to your site. But that that by having that content out there on social media, uh, that's what boosts the readership and the listenership of your show. Uh, and therefore, the visibility and your authority and all those things. Not only that, your guests, if, if you're if you're doing an interview style show, uh, you're your guests can share uh, the content that you create. That is a huge piece that you just said. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, they can share your content, and so you're doing. You're giving. You're giving your guests. You're doing them a service uh, by by bringing them on your show. So don't think that they're they're doing you a favor by being on your show. You're doing them a service by by giving them more visibility that they wouldn't have with you know with your own audience. Yes. Uh, on top on top of what you're what you're doing, I do this myself because I'm just starting out. Uh, but I'm looking at outsourcing it. But mm-hmm. uh, I've got a formula too that's similar to that. Um, but I use D- I use Descript to transcribe. Yeah. And uh, but then I use Quad AI. You can upload the transcript to Quad, and I give it like se- six or seven different instructions. One is to su- summarize the uh, episode and um, write a description using my tone and my voice and my style. Right. And then write, and, and, you know, urging people to listen to the episode. So there you go. I've got an episode. Uh, I've got an episode description. 
And I can tell it what keywords it, I have. I ask it to pull out the keywords that are relevant that were discussed in the show to help me with SEO. Yeah. I have it write a blog post. I have it write social media posts. I, I have it go through and look for key highlights with timestamps. Give me chapter market markers. And it actually goes through and, and gives me all this information. So yep. then I can go back and, and back into Descript and say, okay, at 1332, Justin starts breaking down his process for creating, creating content. And that's what yep. I'm going to take some yep. clips out of. And so that helps guide me. Now I could take that formula and give it to a VA. And they can follow yes, yeah, you bet. Yeah, that, that would be really smart to do that. And, uh, and the uh, other thing yeah. that I would say about um, that the, you were saying that you take the transcript. So we used to use Descript as well, uh, and we yeah. we decided to move to a different platform uh, just based on what our client clients needed. And with what you're saying is there's there's actually um, for anybody listening, there's actually an even easier. Uh, process that I would recommend and feel free to do this as well. But uh, if you go to a website called pod squeeze, so just pod and then squeeze dot um, com, uh-huh. you'll find that you can actually skip a step of up of downloading the transcript and you can actually upload your audio directly to pod squeeze. And within about five minutes, pod squeeze will have your entire episode uh completely done for you in terms of transcript all done timestamps all done summary done guest bio done quotes blog post tweet uh everything newsletter it's all in there so you skip a step by having to do that middle piece and you just upload it to pod squeeze and it does everything for you the best part about pod squeeze is that within pod squeeze you can actually use the chat gpt like the open ai model to iterate your uh, th- whatever it gives you for each thing, so you can say, oh. "I don't like the, I don't like these timestamps. Yeah. Make make them shorter. I don't like this su- summary. It's too professional. Can you make it a bit more uh, personable?" And it does everything for you. And then once you like it, you say, "I want to save these preferences." And now every single time it writes like you. And this right. saves, like we use this for our clients. Now I will preface this um, that the human element needs to take care of the last 15 to 10, sometimes maybe 20% of the last workload because the AI doesn't go the full, like the AI is just not always exactly what you need. So we do have the human element at the end, but our company uses this process. And if anybody listening would want to go and use pod squeeze, I actually know the founders. We interviewed them on our show and they gave me an affiliate code. So I think it's podigy, P-O-D-I-G-Y. And you can actually go over there and plug that in. And I think it'll give you like 10 or 15% off. And Pod Squeeze is super cheap. I think it's like maybe 20 bucks or 30 bucks a month for the average person. Really? Um, our company spends way more than that because we are editing thousands of hours of podcasts all the time. But for yeah. the average person, it's super, super cost effective. And that removes the need to do what I said earlier about listening through the whole episode and writing the quotes out because pod squeeze yeah. will actually find them for you, thereby taking even more work off of your plate. Yeah, and I think what you said about the the chat GPT interface where you can iterate through and say, I didn't like this and make it sound more like this or, you, you know, use use my tone, voice and, and style from the transcript uh, to so that you can write in my tone. 
that's that's a game changer right there because yeah. you're going to have to and, and you do have to humanize every every person I've talked to, every expert I've I've met with in the past uh, and had episode uh, on my uh, guest on the show have all said that the human element is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And you've got to remember that people are listening to this um, to this podcast because of the intimacy of it. I mean, you're in their earbuds. Yeah. You know, that it, this conversation is going on between you, me, and the guest. And um, if you don't have that human element there, you, you are just going to lose your audience. And there, there's no connection there. So so uh, having that iterative possibility, because there's a lot of tools out there, and there's going to be many, many, many more because we're just at the beginning of this of this revolution. Definitely. Uh, that w- when they build into the workflow, that ability to, to uh, customize and humanize the content, uh, that's 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 really that's a difference maker there. Definitely agree. And we're going to adopt new tools as we go, and we know that and that's that's just part of the game. So uh, great tips. So. I was listening to to you uh, doing a loop last night. You, I was listening on on uh, I think it was I think it was Facebook. Yeah. Anyways, I was listening to you were doing a loop, and you were just you and you were adding uh, different harmonies to it. And uh, so obviously you've had some training, and you've got you in in your bio you mentioned you've got the Juilliard trained opera singer parents. Uh, my mom, when she was in school, when she, before she went to college to be a doctor. She w- she was an opera singer. She wanted oh, to be cool. in opera, and and I remember listening to them. And she's the one who got me into uh, into drumming. Um, but what was it like growing up with with that culture in your in your house? I mean, and do you listen to opera today? And and uh, what was I, it like with parents? I really like love that? I really love opera. I do. I think it's probably it's probably my favorite kind of music. If I'm actually just sitting and listening to something. There's certain songs that just like bring back so many memories because my parents were like they were from they my mom was from New York and my dad was from uh, Western Canada. And so like all the way west, like pretty much Vancouver. And when they got married, they moved back to Canada together. And what happened was um, because they were in a small town, they weren't actually in Vancouver. They were in a very small town and they came back and they were the only opera singers in this town. And so they would sell out shows all the time because everyone in the valley would come to hear pretty much the only good opera that was around live um and they were like this young couple from juilliard and so my parents were really well known in our uh like valley and the valley is like several cities um some are a bit bigger some are a bit smaller but everybody knew who they were um and so there was that that was a good thing but that was also kind of a weird thing because like we did a lot of performing uh, when I was really young and there was just a lot of performing happening all the time and a lot of like just a lot of ups and downs. Like being a performer at a high level is and especially in opera because opera is a um, is quite a it's quite like a lone wolf type of singing. So I was in bands a lot and I played hundreds of shows in, in my with my bands in front of lots of people and it's just nothing like the opera that or classical music and opera that I've done singing alone it's really stressful um and so yeah it was it was good because there was a lot of music and there was always people singing and there was a huge amount of like influence like I was always hearing a piano I was always hearing some something my parents practicing always 
obviously I had to come to all the rehearsals because I was a kid. I couldn't just like be alone. Yeah. So, um, so that was, that was probably the most formative thing that happened to me in terms of my music, uh, capabilities. But, but yeah, the performing thing, I'm not sure it was super positive because performers are like professional opera singer, professional performers are like, it's, it's a hard life. It's, it's constant ups and downs. It's, uh, it's not much of a real career. It's very, very like all over the place and unpredictable and, um, and draining. And so that took it, that definitely took its toll on all of us, but there was obviously a lot of uh, positive things about performing as well that my parents definitely made a huge impact on this, this area that we live in. Um, and and yeah, like I said, I think the main reason why I'm able to do what I'm able to do with music is because of hearing it from the ages of like, you know, two to five, where you're just being shaped by everything around you. And I guess I was just always hearing and listening and and then imitating too. like I would do it myself. And, and so, yeah, all that had a huge effect. Yeah, and being being a performer, and I'm I'm a musician too. I've been putting on shows since I was a, a, a twelve years old, and uh, many many bands. And um, so you you get an entrepreneurial spirit at an early age. Uh, Definitely, and because of those ups and downs, you're always trying to make things happen. You're trying, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you got to make your own thing happen. You got to make your own scene because because uh, there is no scene, especially in a small town. There is no scene. Unless you make it make it happen, so I imagine that had um, an entrepreneurial uh, impact on you as well. Huge, yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. So um, my mom, um, she was in in the high school in the forties, and uh, and she was that was that's when she was doing the opera, and she had some recordings. And I don't know where they are anymore, but uh, she became a doctor, which is really unusual for a woman in the forties. Uh, totally. She met my my dad in medical school, but she uh, one of the things that was um, disappointing to her was that um, depending on how she felt, that impacted her performance, and therefore she was more drawn to the medical side of things, where she she could always be on her A game, and it really you know her knowledge kind of um, wasn't relying upon how she felt, which was an interesting perspective, and uh, you know. When, as performers, we're always critiquing ourselves, and we bring that into our entrepreneurial uh, lives too. Uh, you know, did 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 that mastermind come off well? Did my podcast episode, uh, you know, shine the right kind of light on my guest or on me or on my business? Uh, and so you 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 tend to be um, very, very um, cr- hypercritical of your of your performances. So that totally. can, that can be great, and that can that can help you grow, and that can that can hinder you. So how, how have you, how have you uh, overcome that, uh, that perfectionism and, and been able to continue on as an entrepreneur? I think it's, uh, I think what you said about the feeling thing is super true. Like, and it, and it's funny because like my dad was an opera singer for like 30 years and then he went and started a business, uh, installing, uh, like water systems for homes, which is very predictable. Mm-hmm. So like, like you said, like, like what happened with your mom, that's really no, for me, for most human beings, that's just no way to live for your life to be, to be so contingent on the way that you feel and, 
And also yeah. like opera singers, they, they can never get sick. So then they don't want to go out places. They don't want to stay up late. They're always anxious. Oh, if I get sick, I won't be able to put food on the table next week. Like just the worst, right? Like, so, A lot of um, yeah, tons. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but yeah, like the perfectionism, my, I, I have a very high attention to, to detail I've noticed as I've grown up, which kind of sets me apart from a lot of like really creative people because I, I definitely would categorize myself as being really creative, but I also have a, a hyper vigilance to like small details, uh, which mm-hmm. has been great for business because it's allowed me to not only be the person who, uh, develops the vision and the ideas with help of like my coaches and, uh, my fiance also who runs the company with me, but it's allowed me to, uh, to, to develop the ideas and the vision, but also to be, to be the one who develops the systems to make it happen or to outline the processes to actually bring my visions to life. So I do 100% advocate for people outsourcing every single thing that they don't need to do themselves, like everything. I'm talking like I outsource, I outsource like paying off my credit card. That's my VA. I outsource like, you know, sometimes like buying groceries or something. Like if I'm buying a, some food online, like I just give it all away. I want to focus. Right. Um, so that's, but, but actually building those systems and putting them in place so that someone else can, uh, can emulate them. That's something that I really like doing, which is weird because most entrepreneurs just want to get onto the next big idea. Uh, but so my, my concoction of personality traits has definitely been really valuable, but the perfectionist thing, uh, like it can almost tilt towards obsessiveness if I'm not careful. So my, the last year I've really noticed this because I've been working a lot. Um, and I've been noticing that it just, whenever I feel like I'm getting very obsessive about small details and kind of getting tunnel visioned. I just step away for either the rest of the day or an hour or something and come back then refreshed back to the big ideas that require my attention because I want my company and I want my music to go as big as, as I could possibly dream. And the only way that that'll happen is by buying back as much of my time as possible and keeping my head really clear. Um, and so I really do live by that. And if you, look at podcasting. The reason why I have a company that produces podcasts is because one of the things that I'm trying to do for the coaches that we work with and the entrepreneurs, the authors, the course creators, the business owners that we work with is I'm trying to show them that podcasting when done right is not a time sink like what everybody, like how everybody thinks of it. It is actually the biggest time liberator that I have ever found in terms of anywhere in business. My podcast creates all of my company's blogs, all of my company's YouTube videos, all my company's social media content. It allows me to do all my networking. It allows me to learn, like keep up on the industry. It's everything all in one. I estimate that my podcast probably saves me 12 to 15 hours a week. And my hour is probably worth somewhere around $100. So my podcast is worth like six grand a month and um, probably even more than that. And so with the podcast, it's the perfect way to buy back your time and free up your headspace. And you're not really allowed to worry about perfectionism. You're not really allowed to worry about being perfect because you're live on the show with another human. And if you mess up, like, keep going. Like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Okay. Still going to post it. Like, you can edit that out, but 
I'm a big advocate for keeping everything in because the more open you can be and the more clumsy and and exactly you that you can be in front of your audience, the better that's going to come off. And honestly, for the superficial element, the more money that's going to put in your pocket down the road because people are really going to trust you. And they should. If you're if you're a trustworthy they should, person, yeah. they should then. And that's a great thing. Show people that they can trust you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And, and you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, being a creative type with attention to detail, uh, super, super rare. Uh, rare. And, and I share that uh, that attention to detail. Uh, maybe not as creative as you are, but um, that um, attention to detail and being able to systematize things. Being able to systematize what you do enables you to outsource what you do. So let me repeat that. Being able to systematize what you do enables you to outsource you do and therefore leverage your time. Uh, yeah. if, if you can't tell people what you want, then you then you're stuck. You can't you can't have an outsource. You can't outsource yeah. what you can't describe. And so when you can describe it like you like you say with the, the attention to detail, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be way better off because you you will be able to handle those things off. And doing what we're doing right now, we're creating content here that's valuable. I was just making making a mental note. Says man, that little that little sound bite he just made. I need to grab <laughs> that and, and uh, totally grab it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I would like to just say time. one one thing. I don't have it next to me, but there is a book that that uh, that teaches you exactly how to uh, systemize your business, and uh, it's what I'm what I just finished reading. It's called "Buy Back Your Time," and it's by Dan Martell. Um, Dan Martell is the coach of my coach, so my coach says uh -huh. a lot of these these things to me, and it's it it started the the flow. And I started thinking, okay, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? And then I read this book and Dan Martell literally tells you exactly how to outsource your email, outsource your calendar, outsource, outsource your marketing, your sales, your everything. Everything is there. There's playbooks, there's templates, there's like you wow. could literally be a, an 80 hour a week entrepreneur in the dirt. And I think that this book could save you like 40 hours a week if you were, if you're really going to implement it. So would just put that out there, buy back your time by Dan Martell. That's hugely, hugely helpful. Well, I'm going to make note of that. Totally. Yeah. Great book and really fun read too. Like I love reading stuff like that. Kind of like four hour work week. Like I, I read four hour work week and then this was the, the next best step because four hour work week kind of built the foundation in my brain of the concept, but then the actual implementation, this book is much better to actually help you get to, to the next step. Right. And when you said templates and playbooks, I went, okay, I'm reading that. Right. Book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here. all the resources are free online. It's this new, it's like this, this new style of business where, where big business moguls are not hiding their secrets anymore. And they've realized that the way to create the empires that they want is by helping the most amount of people in the most to the, to the highest degree. And so they just give all their secrets away. They give everything away. And this book is like, this book's worth like a million dollars and how much time it saves people. Like it's insane that it's, that it was 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, people, uh, my, my private coaching clients, you know, when I talk to them about generating content, they always have this fear of sharing too much and uh, sharing too much about their, well, that's my secret sauce. You know, you can share your secret sauce. And uh, I just documented my, um, uh, from start to scale bl blueprint. 
that I've never documented. I've never shared it before. I've been using Sweet. it for years and years and years. And um, and I'm gonna I'm sh- I started sharing that in my newsletter today, and I'm I'm sharing it live on a podcast tomorrow. Uh, but the thing is, is that people can can lean into that and say, "Oh, that's really cool," but I I need I need help implementing. I can't do it myself. It, you it's hit in the, the nail on the head. And so, and so as coaches and as small business owners, that's where we solve the problem. We we get you over that hump where you say, I don't really, I, I understand the step, but I don't know how to do the step. Yeah. So that's where we come in. That's where we can help them the most. Yeah, you're so, you're totally right. It's like, number one, if you teach them the secret sauce, it's not to say that they're going to know exactly how to do it like you can, or they're going to have the skills to do it as good as you can. Um, and number two, they're if they see how much work goes into it, they're not going to want to do it themselves. So you get to educate right. them. You get to educate them on what you do and you get to show them how valuable it is. And then by the time that they realize how valuable it is, then they go to the next step and say, actually, you know what? I actually do think I want you to do this because I got all this other stuff to do. And actually, I don't really like doing that type of stuff anyway. So you just do it and I'll, I'll focus on this over here. So I totally agree. I think giving away, I, I literally... It just changed over the last like few months. Like I think giving everything away, every single thing. I give everything away in music too. I tell people exactly what plugins I use to make my voice sound so crisp. I tell people exactly what level I take my auto tune to, and I use auto tune because that's the industry. It's how the industry works. And I and I tell them exactly what programs I use and how I find my harmonies and how I write my stuff. Like everything is out there everywhere. That's just the way that it's working now. Nice. I'd like to learn more about that. And so, are you uh, are you gigging? Are you performing? Are you doing not anything really, with music? Not no? not really gigging. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunities around here that that are good for me. Uh, I was gigging a bit around here, but I was finding a lot of things that I was accepting ended up being, you know, a couple hours of playing to people who weren't paying full attention, and then the actual compensation was pretty bad. And so, even yeah. though I love performing, wasn't worth it for me. So I haven't performed live in in a while. Um, I I'm only accepting big live performances now. Actually, I did perform live for a bit there. I did a I did a like I stood in for uh, a touring production of Andrew Lloyd Webber, like a big touring production. My mom's actually mm-hmm. the lead soprano on that show, and they're taking it like oh, nice. they're taking it global. They're going to Japan next year, like it's getting huge. And they needed wow. a stand-in for like one show, and so that was like super well-paying. And I got like flown down and did did that. But other than that, live is not really on my radar at the moment. I'm writing, I'm in the studio, I'm producing music, I'm connecting with uh, and writing with some of the biggest artists in the dance world. And so the goal there is that when these artists perform these songs, like I'll take for an example, there's a group called Matisse and Sadko, and they're they're a duo, and they're one of the biggest dance duos in the world. And when they perform in Europe, they sell out uh, like a, a entire festival of like 75,000 or 100,000 people. And they're maybe like one of the headliners of the festival. And when we do a song together, which we just did, they've been playing this song live and they've been getting huge response from it. And so it's my voice. I'm not there, obviously, but it's my voice at these festivals. And what happens then uh, down the road is that the when these songs get big, the audience really likes when the singer comes and does the song live with the DJs. So the Ah. next step will be that (laughs) the big collaborations that I have, and there's a few that are huge, huge artists, they will then, uh, the songs will be in such high demand because they're great songs that 
they'll they'll either fly me down or I'll or I'm gonna be living in Europe for a while as well because my fiance is from Italy and so we're gonna be living where her family is for a year and I'll probably be going up to the Netherlands or different parts of Europe pretty regularly because the the uh, DJs will will fly me in to to sing the song live because the audience just just loves it so that will be the next step of live performance for me but I honestly cool. I I don't know that that's what I want to do uh, for for a lot of time. Like, I don't want that to become something that's part of like something that I do very often because I I really performing takes a huge toll on me. And sometimes I'm even not sure if it's worth the amount of stress. So that'll be my own thing to figure out. But it'll definitely be a cool experience to do it a few times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we say um, we get paid to move our equipment, but we play for free. So that's so true. Being a drummer, being a drummer, you might be able to relate to that because I own the PA and the and the drums and all that. So, yeah, um, totally. So we're about at the top of the hour, Justin. It's been it's been fascinating meeting you. Um, Likewise, yeah. As yeah, as as we wrap up with your final words, what are three things that our listeners can do today to put some of these ideas into action how to amplify their visibility and also you've got a free gift that i'd like to hear about totally okay so let's let's think about this three things so i guess if i guess the first logical step for what we just did would probably honestly be to to go go buy that book buy back your time we we talked a lot about systems today uh and systems are something that if you're like me or you're like you we find that pretty fun um but if you find it fun, then you're going to have a great time. So I would, I would probably buy that book. Um, the second thing would be that if you have a podcast already and you're not utilizing video, um, one thing that you, you just need to do, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're uncomfortable being on camera or whatever, I would, I would say like (laughs) put on your, put on your, uh, your like big boy pants and get on the video because like it's it's so useful right like i get that it's not comfortable being on video all the time but it's so it's so helpful and i want to see people utilize that as good as possible so i guess get the video on and and uh if you don't already have a podcast then and you're somebody in the coaching industry or somebody in the business world and you know that you have ideas that should be shared and you know that you have people that you could interview within your network who would make great guests and you could and the only thing holding you back is just that you think it's going to take too much time. Um, then figure out a way to outsource it. Go to Fiverr, find a company that suits you, and just get podcasting. Because the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to get to the 20 episode, 30 episode mark, and that's where the real magic starts happening. So you got to start to get there. And so the sooner you start, the sooner you get there. So that would be the three things. Um, and then the gift that I've got, I'm working on two ebooks. Um, well, by the time this comes out, they'll be totally done. Um, and the one ebook is if you already have a podcast and you want to learn how to create 30 pieces of content from your one episode and you want to actually see how it's done. So I know we talked about it conceptually today, but if you want to actually see how we do it, then you can download that ebook and it'll give you the exact tools to do it all yourself. Uh, and then for people who don't have a podcast, I've got an ebook that gives away all of my company's secrets that I've been working on for five years. Uh, on how to launch a podcast in 2023 using all the most recent AI tools, using all of the outsourcing tips that I use. Um, and so the best way, so there's one ebook if you have a podcast and you want to take that to 
new levels, 10x your podcast. Go go there. And if you uh, if you want to start a podcast, then that's the one for you. Um, and for any of that, you can just, uh, we said you just DM me Podigy on our Instagram, or you can email me Podigy, um, or you can just email me and say hi if you want, whatever. I'm all good with any of that. <laughs> yeah. So that's P-O-D-I-G-Y podcasts, correct? Yep. Podcasts. Yep. Yeah. With an S, multiple podcasts. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you can email me. Yep. Yeah. Email you at where? At Podigy Podcasts. Yeah. Or you can go to okay. our Instagram, which is uh, if you use Instagram, which is at Podigy Podcasts. Same thing. Uh, and you can DM us Podigy. You could even just DM and just say, I want the ebook or I want the ebook about already having a podcaster or just send us a message. And, um, and then if one thing that I'm doing with a lot of people right now is if anybody needs help implementing those ideas, actually getting them to, to work for your show, then you can also schedule a little call with me and I will walk you through how to do the things that we talk about in the ebook. And I can also answer any questions that you have about your specific situation. Cool. And uh, on the uh, on the episode page, we'll make sure that there are links to uh, to all that once you have that published. And so you can go to the uh, Lead Machine Growth Show and uh, look up this episode and uh, you'll be able to find all those links and all that information about those gifts. Totally. So thanks again, Justin. It's been a real pleasure having you. And uh, I look forward to hearing hearing some of what you're doing, too. Totally. And um uh, and so thanks again. And remember, faith and action go hand in hand. So until next time on the podcast, uh, put, the, put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> That's right. So put the pedal to the metal. And until next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show, I'm Paul Guyon and Justin J. Moore. So long for now. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Lead Machine Growth Show with Paul Guyon, where we show you how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream so that you can transform your vision into reality. Remember to visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show.